And we're back. Here we go. Episode 38. Um, the math are a whole new team. It's amazing. They are 10 and 9 right now. Yeah. They are uh, 8 and 2 in their last 10. And, uh, man, I I feel like talking about this team as a playoff team again is not crazy talk. No, not at all. I mean, you look at, you know, this is 8-2, and two, and it's not exactly a soft stretch that they've been going through. I mean, certainly Golden State had some injuries, but Utah didn't, and they beat Utah by, by 50, you know, about, you know, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. They, uh, you know, the other night in Houston, you know, granted, uh, you know, no Chris Paul for the Rockets, but but still James Harden's there. He puts up a triple-double, Eric Gordon, and, and it, you know, was close for just a little bit in the third quarter. Otherwise, the Mavs pretty much controlled the game. So they're beating a lot of teams that I think before the season, if you just kind of look down the schedule, they weren't teams you thought the Mavericks were going to beat. Yeah, I mean, because the last few years, we've we've seen these games where there's been one injured player, and um, we've hoped, but they've really never come up with the victory. <laughs> I mean, uh, in terms of really being competitive every night and going after teams, uh, I, I can't remember a 10-game stretch like this at all in the last few years. Maybe... Yeah. Maybe that two years ago when Seth Curry was in the starting lineup and uh, they went on a little run, but even then there wasn't the hope like there is now. Everyone just thought it was kind of fun streak, but we weren't thinking playoffs. Right? Yeah, that was definitely more felt more like kind of a lucky hot streak, you know, than it was. Like you know, you get you get to the craft table and you get like ten in a row. And it's more just like, you know, at some point, it's just going to take a downturn, you know? And I think that's yeah. the case there. Nobody was sitting here. I think we said we liked Seth Curry, but no one was sitting there going, this is a franchise guy. Like, this is this is going to turn no. the whole team around. It was just kind of, uh, you know, a, a nice little stretch of the season. Whereas now, you're right. We're not exactly just riding a hot hand. It's, it's a different guy every night. I mean, Lucas kind of been a constant and probably Berea, but but otherwise it's it's a variety of guys chipping in. Yeah, so I was a little curious about this. I tried to I tried to do some a little research about what is the difference from the first nine to the last ten. And uh shockingly, I think it's defense. I think um I think Eddie Sefko wrote an article how Dallas might get off to a slow start because of the China trip. And I read the article because the China trip was just going to shrink the tra- training camp to like, I don't know, it was like one one week or five days, something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, a very little practice time. You know, I read the article and I was like, eh, whatever. I, I didn't think much of it. But if you, if you think about defense and team defense and how much uh, it does take playing together to really be good at it, it's starting to come to fruition that that prediction because the first the first nine games we were 24th in the league in defense and uh, we were giving up almost 112 points a game, which is uh, I guess 111.8. You know, I just rounded up, and now we're 10th and we're down to 107. 
you know. And so if you look at our point differential, we were giving up 112 and scoring 107. Now we're scoring close to 110 and giving up 107. So that makes more sense for a winning record. And it also makes more sense for just the team gelling and uh, really just, just playing better defense. I know it's kind of basic, but uh, it's making a significant difference. Yeah, and I think you've got guys – I mean, obviously we knew DeAndre Jordan was going to come in and, and have an impact, certainly. And right off the bat, from a rebounding perspective, he was doing that, but not as much from a defensive perspective. And and then, you know, there's all talk about Wesley Matthews, but I think the guys who have stepped up defensively have really been, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith and, and Maxi Kleba. Like, those are the two guys that have kind of come in. And that's part of the second unit, and that's where the Mavericks are really – killing people is when their second group goes in and they can play some defense and, and we've talked about Harrison Berea offensively and what they can do to teams and that that's where that's been the biggest difference is there there's really no drop off for the Mavericks uh, with that second group. Well it's funny you say that because uh, I'd like to I'd like to remind our listeners this is completely unscripted but um, my next two points my next two points were about uh, Berea and Wes Matthews. Um, Wes Matthews has played a significant role in this uh, in this win streak. I, I, I don't know if it got much publicity, but there was that uh, there was that run in he had with Donnie Nelson after one game where people thought they were arguing. Do you remember that? I don't. I don't. I don't yeah. think I heard about that. There was they. They basically got into a little bit of an argument talking about his role, and I don't know what happened. You know, of course, they all downplayed it and said everybody's on the same page and yada yada. But um, the first nine games, Wes Matthews taken fourteen point two shots per game. The last ten during the win streak, he's down to nine point five shots a game. So essentially, five shots left per game. And of those 10, he didn't play four games. He was inactive for four games. That is, I I know we like the guy. He's a great guy. But that's a very telling, those are very telling stats there. That, A, he was taking too big of a role in the offense. And, B, inactive four games, you got to wonder, is just, you know, Benny Smith, Devin Harris taking some of those minutes helping the team. Well, you know, before the Achilles injury, Wes Matthews was a really, really good defender and and a much better shooter than he is now. You know, probably got a little bit better lift on his jump shot. And if you look at a guy like Dorian Finney-Smith, I mean, that's what he's kind of bringing to the table right now. Yeah. He's he's knocking down threes, and, and he's definitely an above average defender. And so, yeah, when you kind of make that swap, and Finney Smith is also, like, not a guy who, who thinks he's the guy. So, so he's being real selective on his shots, too. He's not, he's not eating right. shot attempts either. So, right. yeah, I, I think, I, I was going to say, like, coming into this, just doing a little bit of research myself, yeah, I was like, I, I hadn't even thought about Wes Matthews in a while, you know? Like, you watch the games and he's not doing things that, that are, are standing out at all, you know, good or bad, right? Like he's just kind of, uh, he's just kind of out there. Whereas I think early on we were kind of, you know, you think about the Atlanta loss 
and it's like he was just taking so many shots. And granted, that game he got off to a hot start, but then he just kept taking shots even after you know things started to turn a little bit. Yeah, I I agree. I really like him at nine shots a game. He's taking good clean threes. He he does a little bit of give and go stuff where he gets in the lane and he he gets an easy bucket. Um, he's good at nine shots a game. I mean, whatever. Whatever happened in that discussion works because I think he's playing his role ideally. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think that's a significant difference. The other one is uh, you got to say JJ Barea. I mean, the first nine games he shot thirty-one percent from the field. The last ten, he's shooting fifty-four percent from the field. I mean, he's coming in and he's. He's oddly dominating the game when he comes in. Like I, I, I feel like if he keeps this up, he's at least in the conversation for sixth man of the year. Exactly. I think he's just so good against other teams, and really, he's just good, right? But especially when he comes in against another team's backups, it's like they just can't. You know, he's so he's so good now at the things that he does to get himself, you know, good looks at the basket. That, uh, you know, it's, it's just a remarkable, like, when he comes in. And I think that's a big part of that second group uh, dominating. It's just like you've got this – like, the Mavericks have a go-to guy on their second unit, and, and it's J.J. Perea. So that they're, that's what's really making such a difference on the second unit is Perea not just scoring himself but also creating shots because then Kleba can knock down a three – uh, or Finney Smith, or, or he could lob it up to Powell. Like, you know, so we're going on these runs with the second group, and yeah, it's all predicated with, with Berea, but yeah, he has been on a tear lately. No, I mean, and he, I, I feel like he's hit that point as a veteran where, uh, you see it with some, some quarterbacks in the NFL, like a Drew Brees or Tom Brady, where everything slows down for them, and the game just isn't hard for them anymore. Like, Berea comes in the game, and, you know, when he first got in the league, it was just he was just scrapping so hard, and it just seemed like he was climbing a mountain every time he he got in the game. And now he just feels like he's in slow motion, and he just gets whatever shot he wants, and just the flow he feels. Uh, the game's just slowed down for him, and it's such a such an asset for that second group. Um, I mean, <laughs> against Houston. I was just reading the plus minus numbers. Yeah. Devin Devin Harris and Maxi Kleber, Kleba, uh, plus twenty nine and plus twenty eight, and then Dwight Powell and JJ Barea plus twenty seven and plus twenty four. Like that's your bench, <laughs> right? That's ridiculous. Yeah, and if you look at if you look at the Houston Rockets, you know, just speaking of that game and the other team's roster. It's like that's what really kills the Rockets is, you know, they, they've got so much talent at the top. You know, you look at it, it's like Capella's healthy. He makes a bunch of money. Gordon obviously hardens, and even Chris Paul when he's healthy. But then, I mean, if two or three of those guys aren't on the court, that's a really bad team. Yeah. yeah you well, know, like it, it really drops off. Yeah, it's very fair. I mean, there's just like there's nothing significant about them now. Yeah. Yeah, and they lost some some of that depth. You know, some of the stuff last year that Ariza and 
and Bam uh, Amute was uh, was doing for them just just isn't there anymore. And that's when. Uh, but but yeah, and, and go back to your point about you know the game slowing down for Borea. I, I thought the same thing about Devin Harris because he had a big game the other day. Yeah, and again that. That's another guy who who's been, I'd say, above average for a lot of his career in the NBA. And now yeah. again, it's like he's in that he's at that point where obviously he's not as athletic as he used to be, or, or not as uh, you know uh, prominently athletic, you know, more athletic than his opponent. Uh, he's not at that level anymore, but he could certainly come in and again knows the game so well. He's been in the league for so long that when he's in there against the second unit, he really stands out. And he had a really big game against the Rockets the other night. But, yeah, to your point about Berea, it's like him and Devin Harris are, are coming in and, and doing those things and just making it so much easier for everyone else on that second unit. And that's where the Mavericks are. Again, I mean, that's where they're making hay. Is it's like, all right, the starters can keep it close. Because another big part of this is we're not getting off to just awful starts like we yeah. were early in the season. Yeah. Well, and circling back, I mean, it, the bench is great to stabilize whatever you're getting from the starters. Like, they're the dependable unit. Um, right now, that starting lineup with Wesley Matthews, I think it's minus 50, 27 for the year, you know, and I, the only real changeable piece in that starting lineup is the Wes Matthews role. And, um, it just, I like his role right now, nine shots a game. Uh, he's being very efficient, but it does still make you think expiring contract. Could this lead, could this lead to a deal? Could this lead to a lineup change? Um, I heard, uh, Bill Simmons podcast this week. He mentioned a deal. Did you hear this deal he, he proposed? I did with the Knicks. Yeah, with the Knicks for Tim Hardaway Jr. What's your take on that deal? At first, I was like, oh, no. And then I was right. like, well, like, yes, Tim Hardaway Jr. is very, at least, I, like, I hated that contract. I, I laughed at that contract when the Knicks signed it, right? Is it 18, 18 a year? I think it's 18 a year, but so it's pretty much what we're paying Wes Matthews, right? Yeah, but, yeah. Um, he is really this year, and, and I don't know if that's a function, this is a function of the Knicks being so bad, but, but he really has shown quite a bit of scoring prowess. So like, like he can really score the basketball. And mm-hmm. I mean, theoretically on a team where, where Lucas setting him up and, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's ostensibly getting easier shots like that. That would be, you know, it could be a good fit. The only downside is, well, you're locked into that guy for another couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. That, that would be the issue. And that's, you know, I think I would think about it. But I don't think the Mavericks will think about it because they still have the obsession with cap space. Yeah, they do. But um, I'm still kind of at a loss of, like, who is it that we we do sign next year, right? Um, I mean, we're not going to get Durant, Kawhi, um, the big guys. I, I think there's probably back deals. There's probably arrangements already made. I mean, would you rather have Tim Hardaway Jr. or Chris Middleton? Okay, I I do like Chris Middleton, but do you want to pay him twenty five million a year? I don't. I don't know if I do. <laughs> yeah, it's saying that if you look at the landscape and it's like, all right, we're not gonna really use this cap space on anything next year, right? Because this yeah, DeAndre uh, unless, Jordan. <laughs> yeah, unless we were to go on some sort of run where we become where Luca and I mean I think people 
love the guy already around the league, but whether it's enough to attract a big-name free agent is kind of a different deal. Yeah. And so if if we're not sort of in that category and we don't have the inside track on one of these big names, let's say that deal is on the table. Well, then you're swapping out Matthews for Hardaway Jr., and you have him next year when really, like we just said, you're not adding anything else significant. So then That's right. You're down to just one year left. Like then you've just got Hardaway Jr. on an expiring the season after that. And again, right. it's like, well, that's okay. Then that's just another asset if you want to swap that out. If it's not yeah. working out, right? I agree. Yeah, and and, and you know it, it it could potentially be a play for a future free agent class. Yeah, well, maybe in a couple of years because I mean the other thing Simmons talked about when he was on you know his podcast the other day with Ryan Rosillo was. You know, is, is Anthony Davis potentially in play in, in two years when he's a free agent? Yeah. You know, if, if the Pelicans do nothing and just sort of ride out Anthony Davis, what yeah. if Luca, Luca becomes so dominant that Anthony Davis is thinking that that's the guy I want to play with and, and goes to Dallas? Yeah, because, I mean, the other, you know, the other topic for today's pod, looking at the West, that that's where it becomes interesting because – I kind of don't think the West is going to settle out. Like, everyone's kind of waiting for things to settle out. I do think Golden State will end up on top. But outside of that, I I think it's going to be, you know, three, four games separating second place to 12th place all year, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think early on, you know, there's so many, there's so many teams around 500. The Mavericks are eighth in the West right now, but are two yeah. games out of, like, 14th place, you know, so they're not at but all. But they're also two games out of third. <laughs> That's right, yeah, and and I think, you know, we're 20 games into this, and if you look at the bottom of the standings, you see the Jazz, and you see the Rockets, and you see the Spurs, and, you know, when we were talking early in the season, it's like, that was, like, number two and number three in the West for us, for the Jazz and the Rockets, you know, we are thinking they were going to be up there. And now it's like, uh, like, you know, are, what switch are they going to flip at some point? You know, you think the Rockets, maybe when Chris Paul's healthy, if Chris Paul gets healthy, uh, who knows what's going on with the Jazz? Like, it, it's oh a, god, yeah, it's a weird I mean, thing. It's a weird thing right now. Well, and that's what could turn things on a on a trade level because maybe Cubans like, okay, we're not going to win the championship, but. What if we got Hardaway Jr. and made a push for like the fourth or fifth seed, and and we got into the second round this year? What would that do for our team's growth? What would that do for our fan base? And what would that do for Dirk's uh, last or second to last year? You know, and just he, you know, he owes that to Dirk, and he, I don't think he owes that personally. I'm saying I think he feels he owes that to Dirk. Yeah, and yeah. that that could play a significant role when uh, it just comes down to. Uh, making a decision i agree yeah i think um i think if they're close i think if they hang around and we're to you know we're into january or even february and you know closer to the all-star break but before the trade deadline and it's and we're still in this position where it's like like you said nothing settles out and there's still this you know 12 teams are in play for the playoffs or or two, two through eight yeah i think the mavericks can make a move and and try to try to jump up and, and sort of assure themselves a playoff spot um, because, yeah, it's looking more and more like there are no 
there aren't going to be any guarantees, and it's really just going to be a dogfight. Yeah, I heard another, uh, I forget which pod it was, that they were saying that the Mavs should treat, like, uh, Luca's contract right now kind of like how team, like the Rams are treating Jared Goff's contract, and they should right. just go try to win now. And um, I thought that was an interesting idea. I just, I just didn't know. You know, I, it does. It still doesn't look like they have a ton of options, just because of the state of Golden State's team. And then also, what are you doing? Are, are you trading like a Dennis Smith and a Wesley Matthews for Bradley Beal, maybe something like that? I, I I still don't think that puts you over the top, but that would be an interesting uh, thought, right? Because uh, I think Washington might be convinced in doing that of doing that. Yeah, Washington's got to do something. I, I think they'll break that team up at some point this season. Um, but, yeah, it's like, do, do you want – I think the thing about not just Bradley Beal, but all those guys in the Wizards, not to make this about the Wizards, but it's like how valuable are they on the other team? You know, and, and between Beal and Wall and, and Otto Porter Jr., they all have these max contracts. And mm-hmm. it's like if the Mavericks picked up – one of them, are we suddenly, you know, like you said, is that enough to put us up near, like, Golden State? Like, what role is that? Is that person a superstar? Yeah, I, well, think Wall, I think Wall yeah. might be, but I don't think he's on the table here. Well, no, I, I think Wall, Wall's not going to get traded this year because he has this trade kicker that adds, like, $20 million to his contract. And it falls off next year. So, I could see Wall, their weight on Wall. The issue is Beal's really their only real chip. Um, so if they trade Beal, they're going to want a lot. They might want Dennis Smith, a first-rounder, and West, West Matthews just to make the contracts work. I think that's too much. Uh, Dennis Smith and West Matthews I would think about. Just uh, it might be a better fit with Luka, and uh, it might it would definitely make us better now because I think Bradley Beal – I think would be significantly better on another team because he would not have to play second fiddle to John Wall. Um, Otto Porter, I agree with you. I don't think he's a max player. I don't think he has a ton of value. But a team like Utah, who may never get a free agent to sign there, they want that contract because they'd have him locked in. A team like Houston that's maxed out, they would totally take him, maybe a yeah. first rounder and some contracts. It would have to be a salary dump, though, for the most part, for Washington. And I think right. for, them to, for them to do that, they would have to have a young player, you know, for Beal. So Beal's going to be the most expensive. I agree with you. Otto Porter and John Wall just aren't fits with the Mavs. Um, so yeah, I mean we'll we'll see how that plays out, but um, they're all things to consider because I feel like the West came back to the Mavs a little bit, and the Mavs came up to the competition a little bit. So the gap just isn't as great as we thought it would be this year. Yeah, and I think some of that has really come down to, uh, and I mean we're twenty plus minutes into this, and we haven't really talked about how good Luke has been during this stretch. But I think a lot of that comes down to, I mean, Luke has been so good. Yeah. And he's, you know, he, he can do so much offensively and, and the plays he can make, not just for himself, but for his teammates. And I think that has happened and, and kind of come together so quickly. And it's only going to get better. Yeah. That 
that's what I think the Mavs fans have a lot of hope in, is that he's just going to continue to make life easier for his teammates. And the Mavericks have a roster of guys who can, you know, knock down open shots. And, and you've got a guy like Harrison Barnes who's, who's great when he's not the, the total focal point of the defense, which he can no longer be if you're playing the Mavericks. You no, know? I agree. And, I agree. I, uh, as much as I did not like Harrison Barnes as our number one option, I like him a lot as our number three. I think he's a steadying presence. Um, and he's really efficient, like, because he doesn't, he's not a volume shooter. He doesn't need to take the ball every time and score. And, um, that's really helpful. And then, you know, even looking at Luca, his shots have not increased. Uh, first nine games, he was shooting 15 shots a game. Last 10, he's shooting 14 shots a game. But he just, he just controls the game, you know, and, uh, yeah, we haven't talked about him because he has just been the stead- most steady force for the team this year, which is shocking that it's coming from a 19 year old. Yeah, it's been amazing, you know, and it's so, and it's exactly, I think, you know, going into the draft, I think that was the guy we both were, were really high on, and there were definitely some experts out there who were really high on him. And, you know, the fact the Mavericks, you know, did what they did to get him, I mean, it's just amazing. And, and it's really, so far, just, just working out better than I think uh, they could have imagined. So um, as he gets more and more comfortable, it's going to be really interesting as the year goes on because I think you're right, that's what's going to maybe prompt the Mavericks to, to make a trade deadline move and maybe just, just make a move in the West because yeah, things are really bunched up and it's, and it's not going to take a, a huge winning streak to uh, move up a few spots and, and get into the playoffs or, or really solidify a spot in the playoffs. Yeah. And you know, I, I love uh, not to get stuck on Luca, but I love Luca's presence. And I think that's understated because uh, you know, there, there's those few players that just basically come into a game and they're like, I'm not losing. I, I think, um, not that they don't lose, but they just have the mentality that they're going to win. And even, even LeBron didn't really have that for a while. He had to develop it. But, uh, I remember Jason Kidd, when he came to the map, he was just, he just had that mentality of like, I win games. And he, he had this confidence. And Luca's kind of stealth about it, but he's got it. And, you know, he, he's, I've been trying to think of, you know, who his comparable is for a long time. And I, I feel like it's, it's like he's got the D, the point guard DNA of like a Jason Kidd or a Ben Simmons. And then he's got that resilience of a Manu Ginobili. I, I think combining those two, um, you really see a lot of both of them in Luca. And what a great combo because, you know, if he were a, Six two point guard. I still think he'd be really good, but the fact that he's like six eight—that's really what makes him just on another level, you know. Oh yeah, because I mean, he can make—he could see the floor so well. And you're right; that would still be the case at six two. But when you're six eight, you can see so much more of the floor so yeah. well, you know. And you, you compare him to like Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd was six four, you yeah. know, and, and just made amazing plays. So so yeah, I mean it, it's. It is remarkable that he, he does what he does out there. And I mean, the, the other day against the Rockets, I mean, 
you know, the, just the, the big highlights where it's like hard just all over him and he hits the quarter three over him and, you know, yeah. he, he, he has the dunks like just kind of weaving through the Rockets defense and dunks on him. And, you know, he's not a super athletic guy, but he can still make plays like that. Kind of like, you know, people forget Ginobili was like six, seven, you know, so he would go up and yeah. dunk it and people would be like, whoa. And it's like, well, this guy's six, seven, you know, but, yeah. but he would be able to make plays like that. And then the big three before the half. And it's like, you know, and, he, and he's feeling himself a little bit too. Like he's getting his teammates fired up. I mean, they, they love it. And, and I think that's, you know, to your point about presence, it's like, the, it seems like the team is already kind of bought into like, all right, let's go with this guy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there's not this, Hey, settle down, Rook. You know, it's like everyone's kind of behind him just right off the bat. Like this is our guy. And, and we've even seen it late in games. Like he's stepping up and, and making plays. So. Um, yeah, you know, I, agree. I, I, I think the, the best part is that every night now, you don't just sit there and say, all right, well, they're going to lose this one and eh, we'll see what happens tomorrow night. Like it's really more of a, Hey, all right, we're, we're, we're pretty good. Let's, let's go and, uh, let's see what happens. Like tonight, I mean, I, you know, they're playing the Lakers and, yeah. you know, last time they lost a, a tough one in LA by, you know, whatever it was, a point or something like that, but they, they were down 20 after like five minutes of that one. And they had to just come back and come back and they closed the gap late. But, you know, it'll be interesting tonight to see like, you know, now that they're a little bit more on solid ground and so are the Lakers, the Lakers are playing a lot better. Like this is, this is going to be a pretty good game tonight. No, I agree. I agree. I, I actually, uh, I would like to see them at least split the two with the LA's the back to back. Um, you know, I, I think tonight they could win. Clipper game will be hard, but I mean, we're looking at Lakers, Clippers, Portland, New Orleans as our next four. Um, now we're looking at it like shooting for three and one, right? Versus a one yeah. and three. Well, exactly two. right. I think even a couple of weeks ago, I would have looked at that stretch and been like, oh, geez, can we win any of those, you know? Yeah, exactly. uh, Especially the way the Clippers the Clippers have been so good so far this year. Um, and, you know, Portland, New Orleans. But, you know, you look at the records of all those teams, and to your point earlier, everyone's just kind of hovering around 500. So, yeah. you know, except for the Clippers. The Clippers are up there. But, you know, that's still a beatable team. You know, that's just a lot of guys playing really well right now. That's not a uh, – you know, that, that's not a team you necessarily have to have to fear. I still think they're a beatable team. I agree. Um, and, again, the way the Mavericks have been playing, I think you look at anybody and say that they're beatable and, and that the Mavericks can, can beat just about anybody right now. Now, I think it's a different story when, you know, come playoff time and you got to win four out of seven and, and all of those things. But I think for right now, I think Mavs fans should just enjoy the fact that this is a really competitive squad again, and you could tune in any night and see a, a really good basketball game, and you're going to see some really good plays, and and just know that the guys making these plays are young, and, and they're going to be here for a while. Yeah, and you know, I, re- I remember watching uh, Jason Kidd just when he was a uh, you know in his first couple years, and just just enjoying the game so much, and and that feeling is back watching Luca, um, and you know what? I mean, we got. Look, we got the Clippers. I think we got the Clippers in Dallas, right? And then um, yeah, it's at LA, and then and then home for the Clippers. Yeah, yeah, and then we got Portland at home, and we legitimately have a home home court advantage now. And so we could 
we could possibly be talking about four more wins here in a, in a week. So uh, there's no telling. Uh, I think the only thing I'd be shocked by is one and three at this point. Well, or even I, I would say more shocking to me would be just like a non-competitive one and three. Like something where it's like, ah, oh, they just got hammered like three games in a row, you know. And yeah. I think that's that's the cool part. I think is that in in the past couple of years, it's just been like, ah, oh, let's just can we keep it somewhat close for a couple of quarters? But and, you know, we have these bad quarters where it's like, oh, they outscored us by twenty five that one, and, and yeah. then we ended up losing the game. And now because of what we talked about, where it's like the starters are, are playing better, you know, not still not a great unit, but playing better, and then the second team is so good. It's like we just we haven't had those bad quarters that we had in the past uh, the past couple of seasons, and yeah. um, and and that's what's you know keeping us in games and and making it really fun to watch because as much fun as Luca is to watch, you know, JJ Barea is still really fun to watch to see him score and front yeah. the other team. I think that whole bench group is fun. There's nobody that like everybody's exciting to watch uh, from Maxi to Devin to JJ, you know. Yeah. Well, all right. I think uh, that might be all we have this week. I think so. I think so. But that's a good sign. We're, we're fired up, and I think Mavs fans <laughs> should be fired up. <laughs> all right. Well, next week we will check the standings and see how far the Mavs have climbed and uh, see how those next four games go. And uh, until then, I'm Al at home. You're Matt at home. And this is the Mavs podcast. What's our Twitter Twitter handle again? It's at the Mavs Podcast. <laughs> That's easy enough. I should remember yeah. that. We should remember um, that. Yeah. At the Mavs Podcast. Send your comments and questions, and uh, we'll try to get to them when we can. All right. Until next time. All right. See ya. All right.